It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz. Hour number two of today's JT The Brick Show. It kicks off right now here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We kicked off with Raiders Talk. We went over and spoke a little bit about hoops with what's going on in the association with the Celtics staying alive, with Miami still needing another win, and with LeBron doing LeBron things not knowing what's going to happen or what, at least him saying he doesn't know if he's coming back, if another season's in the books. He's coming back. He wants to play with his kid. He wants to play with Bronny. Could you imagine if LeBron, if Bronny ends up getting drafted by, I don't know, the Pistons, and then LeBron has to sign a one-year deal to go over to the Pistons? That would be whack. That would be crazy. But, well, we spoke also about All Elite Wrestling. They're in town today. They're in town on Sunday. DeMond Cotton was a special guest here today to talk about that, check out his show, The Fight Game. And now we circle back and talk Raiders football because I love that call from Gangsta Raider from SoCal. And he was like, yo, I'm intrigued to see what's going on in training camp with a different quarterback. And that's true. This is going to be the first Training camp, the first OTA set, OTAs set of OTA sessions where the Raiders don't have Derek Carr in them since 2013. DC was drafted in the second round of 2014 and ended up taking the starting job, and it's been hit. It had been his all the way through week 17 last year when Jared Sidham took over as a starter and played those last two games of the regular season, and now. This is going to be where it's at. Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, Chase Garbers, Aiden O'Connell. Those are the four guys in the quarterback room right now during OTAs, during coming up with training camp, and that's where you want to see the Josh McDaniel system if it's implemented with guys that know it, if it works differently, if it looks better than it looked last year through the first 15 games before – uh, Derek Carr was benched and Jared Stidham took over. So this is going to be huge. Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, they've been there. They've done that with Josh McDaniels previously uh, with the Patriots. And now he's going to be here with Las Vegas. They're going to be here in Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels. That's That was a great point from Gangster Raider right there saying, I want to see what goes down with the quarterback position. It might not be bombs. After bombs, after bombs, because that's not Jimmy G's M.O., but if it's shorter routes that are producing first downs and are keeping the offense on the field, and especially when you get inside the 20, if they're effective and you put seven on the board instead of three, that's going to be even bigger. So I know people complaining, Jimmy G doesn't throw long passes like D.C. did with Adams a couple of times. I'm like, I know, but what if? We just have those long drives and end up getting touchdowns instead of just field goals. That's going to change a lot of people's 
thoughts. Or even I had someone ask me today, hey, should I draft Devontae Adams to my fantasy football team? I'm like, dude, absolutely. He gets numbers. He That's what, three seasons now in a row with at least 1,500 yards. And he's like, yeah, I know, but what about the receptions? I'm like, look, if they're shorter routes, that means more receptions with those yards. Take them. Draft Devontae Adams. And you know this is a guy that's hungry to win a Super Bowl. And if he is one of the leaders to take the Raiders to the Super Bowl, he's going to be in team history forever. Mitch in New Jersey is calling in here today on Raider Nation Radio on the JT The Brick Show. Mitch, always good talking with you, my man. Uh, Harry, I didn't even know. I mean, I really got to check my tweets and everything. How you doing? Love talking to you. You know, uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little older than you. I tried, you know, my friend took Italian. I wish I regret not taking Spanish. If I should give it a try to learn Spanish, I'd like to hear you doing Dodge games or your Raider games. I rarely get the Raider games all the time, prime time. I, maybe I should just struggle because, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Just maybe I can try learning some Spanish via you because my mother-in-law only talks to me in Spanish now. Hey, you, you and, should get um, Duolingo, the app on your phone. Believe it or not, my, my nephew, he's 11 years old. He's learning with his phone how to speak Russian. I was like, why Russian? And he explained it to me, and he has, like, a whole list of words that he has learned in Russian. I'm like, all right. I'm like, yo, he's going to be smarter than me. I, I speak two languages. He's going to speak three. And I'm like, at least he'll be able to watch, I don't know, uh, Russian hoops and be like, I understand what's going on. But, hey, get Duolingo on your app. Listen to the Raider games in Spanish on DeportesVegas.com. Take a vacation to Mexico, and you'll learn. We, we try our best, and it's a beautiful language, more, Mitch. More power to him. You know, my, 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 my paternal my maternal grandparents are from Kiev. And look at that little history repeats itself, but I've gotten off track already. Before I get to the NBA, um, I like that uh, quarterback rule they just uh, reinstated. And it's just a one-year thing, but I think it should be permanent. You should have three quarterbacks. If you want to carry ten quarterbacks and have less guys in that position, more power to you. It's got 53. Uh, I think they should add a little more to that, but, uh, to that roster, 53, because the way players get hurt, um, why not? But I'm glad that you can have three. I think you should have three. I think you'd be smart. You saw what can happen at the worst possible times. Um, I cannot believe that the 49ers couldn't find somebody else that you can just throw the ball. Yeah, that was in the playoffs. And, Mitch, I appreciate your call, my man. And he has, he has a great point with that new rule in the NFL where you're able to have a pretty much an emergency quarterback right there as part of your game day roster without it counting towards the limit of the number of players that you have on game days. And there's specific rules. I was going over it when I got the email from NFL Communications, and it's like if your starter gets hurt, and the backup gets hurt, and he isn't cleared by the medics to go back onto the game, then you can keep your third quarterback in there in the game, and that's fantastic. I mean, you go over and McCaffrey isn't going to have to be risking potentially having to play quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers in case the drama that happened in the NFC Championship game last year happens again for that team or any other team. So I also think it's a fantastic change with the rule, the kick, the touchback rule. That's ridiculous. But the NFL, they want to try it out. And you, I'm seeing emails going through my account, and every day they're switching the, the – the flex rule with Thursday night football. Really? I'm like, I understand you got business partners. The NFL does in Amazon and you want to put attractive games on there, but 
flexing a team from a Sunday night afternoon game to a Sunday night football game, that's an honor. That's you being shown respect for what you have done this season. But flexing a team into Thursday night football, that's like a punishment. You got a super short week. You pretty much don't practice after playing on a Sunday to then play on a Thursday. And it's like, it's crazy. And Mark Davis said it perfectly in that interview. It's like a lack of respect for the fans that plan out trips to go to the games that book hotel rooms, that book flights, that rent a car, that get everything ready, and then out of nowhere, for example, the Raiders. They host the Chargers on Thursday Night Football, and it falls in that window where they can be flexed out of a Thursday. What if people, it's easy when you're talking about people from Los Angeles coming into Vegas. They'll be like, okay, I'll switch my hotel room. I might have to pay a little bit more, but I'll go on Sunday and I'll drive out there anyways. But you're talking about, I've been at every single tailgate at Allegiant Stadium with every home game I've been at. And I meet people from Germany. I've met people from Germany, from Mexico, from Central America, from South America, from London. Shout out to Keith. He does a, an incredible job, Crusader Raider. They, it's not as easy for them to switch their plans. Being flexed into or out of a Thursday night football, that's a pain. And heck, I was even talking with my friend Rachel yesterday. She is... Very, very, she needs to know when that preseason game for the Raiders is going down out here at Allegiant Stadium against the Niners because she's planning a trip with her grandson, but that schedule isn't released. She's like just keeping her eye on Raiders.com for that announcement for her to be able to plan out her whole weekend out here in Las Vegas. Now, could you imagine if 28 days before they switch it up and be like, oh, by the way, we're not playing on a Sunday, we're playing on a Thursday, or we're not playing on Thursday, we're playing on Sunday? That's a lack of respect. For the fans. And by the way, did you did you guys hear that Mark Davis said is like, yeah, all three Chargers fans that are planning to travel to Vegas. I'm like, oh, I I, I was wrong then. During release date, the day that the schedule got released, I said seven Chargers fans. No, it turns out it's three. The ones that they have out there in Los Angeles. So shout out to Mark Davis. That was a great dig at the Los Angeles Chargers. But Mark Davis going the same way as his dad. It's like if he doesn't agree with something... He is not afraid of ruffling some feathers out there in the NFL. He'll both know. And I like that with the Raiders. OTAs tomorrow. Special programming note. Live from Raiders headquarters, JT the Brick will be in the building after the OTA session. You'll be able to listen to uh, Josh McDaniels. During the morning tailgate, if the availability goes down on time and it happens as it's supposed to be, you'll be able to listen to him on the morning tailgate. And then during the JT The Break Show, a couple of players will be talking with the media, so you'll be be able to listen to Raiders, coaches, and players all throughout the day here on Raider Nation Radio, the morning tailgate from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown. The JT The Brick Show live from team headquarters after the Raiders have their third OTA session of the year. And then, unnecessary roughness, you'll be able to listen to more sound bites from the players that we still don't know who we're talking to, but they will be out there at the podium. It'll be interesting if we, if we get to ch- chat with Devontae Adams, you know that a couple of questions will be thrown out there about what went down with his interview with The Ringer, which I absolutely love the interview. I love the article. 
It was incredible, very well written. And Devontae Adams, he spoke his mind, and a lot of people just take out a couple of quotes out there and want to create drama. The guy just says what he wants to say. And there are times that NFL players and athletes in general, they get criticized because they stay in a lane where it's like, I'm not going to be controversial. I'm not going to say absolutely nothing. It's like he spoke about Aaron Rodgers. He spoke about him wanting to get numbers and wins outside of being in his with the same quarterback, with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He came to Vegas. He did it. He was an all-pro in Las Vegas, a first-team all-pro in Las Vegas. And, heck, he had a freaking amazing game against the San Francisco 49ers, scoring a pair of TDs with Jared Stidham at quarterback. His first start with the Raiders for Jared Stidham, he had Devontae Adams, he went to Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams played great that week. The game against the Chiefs, that was a different story for the whole Raiders team. So let's see what happens with Devontae. I still have incredible hopes. If he, if we talk with him, somebody will ask him about that situation, and he'll clear the thing up. I mean, heck, that he doesn't see eye-to-eye maybe with what's going on. It's like, yo, he's going to go out there, and he's going to ball out with whoever is playing with him. That I can trust in. Same thing with Max Crosby. He had Paul Gunther as his first defensive coordinator. He went on with Gus Bradley as his second defensive coordinator. And now with Patrick Graham as his D.C., the guy has produced over and over and over and over again with the Raiders. When you're that talented, when you're that dedicated to your craft, that shows you the kind of player that you are. When you're putting in the work, when nobody else is watching – And then when your teammates and your coaches are the only ones watching you, and then when the whole stadium is packed and putting in the work, the Raiders have two guys to look up to, the rest of the team and Max Crosby and Devontae Adams. And now it's their job to follow that lead, to do their thing. And a great place to watch sports is Resorts World. It's the newest resort on the Strip. It's incredible. Go out there. It's the an incredible property. And they also just introduced the brand-new Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge at Resorts World. It's the ultimate tropical getaway. Enjoy their delicious island-inspired cocktails and soak up the lively atmospheres. Locals, I know you're always looking for a good special. Folks that live here in Las Vegas, check this out. From 8 p.m. to midnight every night, you got you get buy one, get one free. You don't get that on on, on any other strip resort. So go check them out. Check out the new Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge and experience the ultimate, ultimate tropical getaway located near the Hilton Lobby. And also, I know there's a lot of people wanting to bet on sports. Be sure to download the Resorts World Las Vegas Sports betting app to place your bets anywhere in Nevada. Let's go to a quick break and after it, we're going to call Ben Goats all the way to Dallas, the beat writer for the Vegas Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Review Journal and talk about hockey because this town is about to go crazy if and when the Golden Knights make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Let's go to a break. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio.
Well, the message to me is simply it hurts to win. You know, that, that's what happens. Look at Petro last night, right? He took some shots, played through it, drew some penalties, and that's a bit of hockey this time of year. He's a guy that plays a lot of minutes, so he's won a Stanley Cup. I think he knows sort of what happens. Um, so tremendous discipline on his, on his uh, part last night and, and a number of our guys. It hurts to win is what Bruce Cassidy, the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, said there. And that rang true in that Edmonton series where the Oilers were being ultra-physical and they were trying to get the Golden Knights out of their game. They were trying to get the Golden Knights to react, to get pissed off, to get a little bit desperate, but that wasn't the case. And the Golden Knights were able to get out of the way with the Edmonton Oilers winning six over there. And now they're in the Western Conference Finals against the Dallas Stars. And the Stars, they lost their mind in that game last night. And the Golden Knights, they started off hot with Jonathan Marchessault taking the lead for the Vegas Golden Knights a minute and 11 seconds into the game. Eichel gloves down a loose puck. Feeds left a shot. They score! Eichel to Marchessault! Vegas strikes first. One minute, 11 seconds into the first period. Eichel sets up Marcheseau for a critical goal. And the Knights, for the first time in this series, score the game's first goal. And that was right there. The Golden Knights taking just their opening the score for just the fourth time in their 14 playoff games this year. They were always, or pretty much always, coming from behind in the playoffs. And they were able to make it all the way here. And look, they got that first goal yesterday, and it was like, okay, let's see if they're able to take it to the next level, to get even more. And they didn't need uh, – they, they got help from the Dallas Stars. Jamie Benn, the captain for the Dallas Stars, he cross-checked Mark Stone with him on the with Stone on the floor and I was like he lost his mind there and that opened the door for the Vegas Golden Knights a 5-minute penalty and they extended their lead there. Vegas out with speed. Watt across the line right wing to the left wing. A shot score! Barbashev. Ivan Barbashev, a power play goal, still with 56 seconds left on the major penalty. 2-0 Golden Knights. 2-0 Golden Knights. That was the first time in this series where a team had a multiple goal lead. It had been a closed series in the first two games out here in Las Vegas. I was joking with Bobby that I told uh, Jesus Lopez, I was like, they can only go to overtime when they're in Vegas, when I'm not working the games. When they go to overtime and I'm working, that means I got to stay working even more. But somebody that's always in the arena, plenty of time before the game, plenty of time after the game, and giving you guys great coverage for the Vegas Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Review-Journal is Ben Goats, a guy that I admire a lot. I love following his work with the review Journal. I met him when he was covering soccer with the Las Vegas Lights, and now he's with the team that's about to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals covering them. Ben, how are you, man? It's great talking with you, and how's everything out there in Dallas? I'm doing well. Great to talk to you, too. No, it's an exciting time in Dallas. You know, I'm trying to pick out a good barbecue spot right now, but uh, obviously, it's no, it's going well. I think we're all having a good time here, and it's been a fun trip so far. Have you avoided anybody throwing stuff at you today? So far, so good. I have avoided all popcorn, any all water bottles, any and all projectiles have uh, missed me so far, which is good because I'm a very large target. How is so this? Thankfully, th- I'm clean. Fortunately, fortunately, that's true. You are a tall guy. Uh, 
how was the scene there yesterday? Because that was something that at the end of the towards the end of the second period, they didn't even let the second period end. The stars were down by four. That big penalty against Haig happened, and I, I think it was ridiculous that he got penalized too for smiling at a player. Uh, how was the scene there at Dallas at the arena? Because it, it looked terrible on TV. Yeah, listen, if you're going to get a penalty, there are worse ways to do it than giving a great thumbs up uh, to a guy who just took three penalties on one play. Uh, It was a very weird scene at American Airlines Center yesterday because before things really got out of hand, it actually was really dead in the arena. I mean, I tweeted it out. When the Knights scored their fourth goal uh, behind Alex Petrangelo, I mean, I could only hear like one single boo from the crowd, it really felt like they were just out of it, just kind of like their team was, and they just didn't even have the energy to get into it anymore. And then the penalties start happening, and then they managed to, I think, kind of direct their apathy toward the team to then anger at the officials, which, of course, boiled over, and you get the crazy scene where, yeah, they're chucking everything on the ice. Play is halted early. The two teams are going to the bench with 21.6 seconds still left on the clock. In the second, it was just absolutely a wild kind of U-turn in the arena from having just absolutely no energy at all to all of a sudden just having a lot of negative energy very quickly that they uh, made sure to uh, find uh, an outlet for. Yeah, and then the the third period, it was pretty much cruise control, right? Neither team wanted to risk an injury or have anything happen. And it was like, hey, there's 20 minutes left. Let's keep everything good for Thursday. Right. I mean, if you're the Knights, I think they did this a really good job, you know, in the second period as well. As you said, I mean, Peg probably didn't need to get penalized for his little thumbs up, but he did. But I thought they did a good job, you know, staying above it of knowing that, listen, it's, you know, a big lead in this game. We saw it a lot in the Edmonton series on both sides. One team takes a really huge lead. The other team tries to get even uh, physically rather than on the scoreboard because the scoreboard part is out of reach. And I thought the Knights didn't let themselves get dragged into kind of needless scraps, scrums, you know, scuffles, whatever you want to call it. They didn't allow the stars frustration to bleed over into their bench as well. I mean, even like I said, the hag thumbs up and the smile was him kind of saying like, good work trying to goad me into something. It's not going to happen. It's not how we're going to, you know, play this right now. And I think that had the Knights probably even feeling more confident on their side of we know exactly what they're trying to do on their bench they know what they're trying to goad us into and we're just not going to have it because all we're focused on right now is moving one win away from the Stanley Cup final we're talking with Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review Journal he does a fantastic job covering the Vegas Golden Knights as a beat writer Jack Eichel how big has he been for the Vegas Golden Knights to be one win away from going back to the Stanley Cup finals for the second time in their six years as a franchise yeah, he's been incredible. I mean, this is his first, of course, trip to the postseason, and he's showed that he belongs right away. I mean, I think not only have you seen the offensive skill from Jack, which 100% has been there. I mean, the way that he was able to just hold the puck in the offensive zone seemingly forever before setting up Jonathan Marcheseau for the nice goal last night, so, so impressive. But his defensive work has been there all year, and it's really, I think, showing up big in the playoffs. He can skate so well. He's such a big guy for a center and he's willing to use that to, you know, back check, throw some hits, get guys off the puck. And it's played such a huge role in the night's kind of overall territorial dominance at five on five, especially with him on the ice. I mean, we've seen it the last couple of series where a lot of these teams right now just don't have an answer 
for what he's doing all 200 feet of the ice. And you'd have to say, if you were to take a straw poll right now as to who the, you know, Conn Smythe favorite for playoff MVP would be, I think Eichel's name is right at the top of the list because of everything he's doing to help this team's success. Maybe a little bit behind Eichel or a lot behind. I don't know what you would say. Aiden Hill. I've been watching this guy, and ever since game three against Edmonton, when he came in for an injured Brossois, he has been doing a great job in goal. He got his first shutout as a Vegas Golden Knight last night. Can you talk to me about how Aiden Hill has been able to pretty much have non-existent playoff get, uh, getters and being nervous in those big moments? Yeah, it's been unbelievable to see how he's played since going in mid-game, game three against the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, that's a tie game on the road, everything on the line. You're playing the best offensive team in the NHL, and you're playing two of the best offensive players in the world in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And he was absolutely outstanding the rest of this series and, of course, has carried that over against the Stars. I mean, Hill's 940 save percentage in the playoffs is the best among starting goaltenders so far in the postseason. Uh, it's just been impressive, the kind of poise and mental toughness that he's shown. That's something that you really don't know if you're going to get from a guy until you kind of throw him in the fire and see how he reacts. And like I said, Game 3, I think, was a really good example of that, that he was able to kind of steal himself right away, hunker down in that game, give the Knights a win. Obviously, Game 6 against the Oilers, same thing, gives up two goals on two shots to start that game. And I remember talking to his you know, goaltending coach Justin Cardinal's personal one back in Calgary about this, where after the Oilers got that second goal, you could see just a slight bit of a smirk under Aiden Hill's mask. And, you know, his coach knew, like, okay, that means Aiden's got this. He's locked in. And I think you saw kind of some of the same things tonight where, you know, Stars fans want to throw popcorn at him. That's just going to fuel him, you know, that much more where he's making quips in his postgame press conference. Like, oh, I guess everything is just going to hit me tonight <laughs> because uh, he was rock solid. Uh, in net back there and you know it's been the story of this Knights team all season they keep having new heroes emerge in goal and uh, certainly right now that's Aiden Hill and obviously game by game he's been one of their best players the probably only thing keeping him behind Eichel at this point is just the fact that uh, he wasn't playing for one round Totally true. And a lot of praise is going to a guy that's doing a great job also as a goalie and goaltender right now is Sergei Bobrovsky with the Florida Panthers. If it ends up being Bobrovsky on one end and on the other end, Aiden Hill, how do you see those guys uh, matched up with the teams on the ice if it ends up being Golden Knights against Florida with both teams being one win away from the Stanley Cup play, uh, champion, Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, it would be an unbelievable matchup because it would be so unexpected, right? Like I said, you have Hill, who's never been in the playoffs before, and Bobrovsky, who you know a lot of people, and really, honestly, myself included, were ready to kind of write off as just this big albatross contract that he signed with the Florida Panthers that it looked like he was never going to live up to. And then he gets in uh, to the playoffs, I believe, Game 3 against Boston, plays well, settles in, and now he's just been on this unreal heater throughout the playoffs, including in the conference finals. Well, right now he's given up uh, three goals to the Carolina Hurricanes in three games, which really also doesn't do it justice considering they played a quadruple overtime game. Um, so really he's got you know three goals in basically four, yeah, games, four games he's allowed. Yeah, it's crazy um, how good Bobrovsky has been. Uh, but listen, I think whoever the Knights end up facing, which obviously if they advance it looks like it would probably be Florida as well, uh, I don't think they're going to be intimidated by whoever – 
is a net because so far, you look at their path through the playoffs, they've taken down a former Vesna winner in Connor Hallebuck. They've uh, right now made one of the best young goalies in the NHL and Jake Ottinger uh, look very weak, very mortal. And the Knights have won the goaltending battle in all three of these series, which is crazy. I mean, it's been kind of the, the day of their season of how many question marks they have in net, but yet they've won that battle so far each of the three playoff rounds. So it'd be fascinating to see if they could take that uh, one step further against the guy who's probably played better overall in these playoffs than any other netminder. We have Ben Goats on the line here on the JT The Brick Show, Vegas Golden Knights beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. I know we're plenty of time away from that decision, but is Aiden Hill the guy now? I know you got Robin Leonard, and I know you got Brossois, but is Aiden Hill the guy? That's going to be a really good question for general manager Kelly McCrimmon this offseason because Hill is an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Same with Brossois, and so the Knights are going to have some big decisions to make uh, when all of this is over as to how that's going to shake out. And that, of course, you've got Logan Thompson still under contract. You've got Robin Leonard still under contract, but there's a lot of question marks surrounding there about, uh, obviously, his health, his financial situation, all of that. So that's really going to be an interesting storyline uh, this summer to see how they navigate all those decisions and who stays, who goes, and how they make up that goaltender room. Uh, for right now, I'm sure they're just enjoying that they're having success with the one that they have right now and i'm sure they're hoping that no matter what difficult decisions need to be made in the summer they'll feel just a little bit easier if they come with a little bit of silverware as well so i'm sure that's the night's hope right now is let's try not to stress about that too much and let's hope if we have to stress about it later it feels that less stressful because we're doing it with some rings potentially getting sized for our fingers Correct me if I'm wrong. With last night's last night's win, it's 31 victories on the road for the Golden Knights this year, right? That sounds right. I mean, it's been unreal. They were tied for second in the NHL in road points in the regular season. They've carried that success uh, right on to the playoffs. They really just haven't been intimidated in any of these buildings so far. I believe it's 5-1 and one right now in the playoffs. It's just been unbelievable how they've carried that over throughout the entire year. And getting those wins at Winnipeg, at Edmonton, where uh, Jesus Lopez, who calls the games in Spanish, and I'm part of the road broadcast, he say, he, I'm listening to him at the arena, and he's saying, guys, the environment here, it's crazy. It's like a World Cup final for folks out here in Canada being in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In Dallas, it's not, it wasn't the same thing, right? And maybe it feels a little bit better for the Golden Knights there after they went through those Canadian spots. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think it was hyped up uh, at the start of the game last night. Just the problem was the Knights kind of took the energy right out of the building so fast where you know, you've got this cool pregame show that the Stars did where they got this light show. They gave glowing wristbands to all the fans to let them be involved, you know, in the little pregame ceremony. And so it did feel like the crowd was pretty hyped up. You know, they're shouting stars during the national anthem. And then, you know, less than two minutes into the game, the Stars are down one nothing, and their captain has been kicked out for cross-checking Mark Stone. And you just feel everyone in the building go like, oh, my gosh, this just is not going to be our night, is it? Is it? And it started to come back a little bit during that five-minute penalty kill where the Knights weren't really executing for the most part. And it felt like, okay, maybe the crowd's going to get hyped up if they kill off this entire uh, power play and they'll start feeling better about themselves and then boom, Aiden Hill makes a great shorthanded chance 
The Knights go the other way, get a power play goal, and it's 2 nothing. And then you really felt all those fans slump back in their seats and really start to feel it's not happening for us, is it? And knowing that, of course, if it's not happening for us tonight and we're going down 3 nothing, that pretty much means the whole thing is wrapped up. So, I mean, credit to the Knights. They did, I think, a really good job not allowing that crowd to get going. I mean, any time that there was any sort of hope for the Stars, it was snatched away quickly. And so they did a good job not allowing that atmosphere to get going. Wherever the Golden Knights are, Ben Goats, he has a front row seat for it. He was right now with their media availability. Tell the folks where they can follow your coverage for Vegas Golden Knights hockey. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z. Of course, you can check out all my work uh, at ReviewJournal.com. we got stories every day. i got newsletters that can hit your inbox. So it's going to be a lot of fun keeping up with this team the rest of the way. Las Vegas is about to get crazy. When? I, I say when. I should be saying if they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and Ben Goats, you will be there. Ben, I really appreciate you coming on today here on the JT The Brick Show, man. And good luck. Safe travels. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. There he goes. Ben Goats does an amazing job covering the Vegas Golden Knights in Las Vegas. I mean, this city is yours and this team is yours. And let's see how deep the Golden Knights can go. Last time against the Capitals, if I remember correctly, if I recall correctly, Golden Knights won the first game, but then the Capitals took four in a row and actually hoisted Lord Stanley here in the desert at T-Mobile Arena. I was there. When the when the Capitals won the championship, when you had them celebrating on, and it was ridiculous. The scene at T-Mobile Arena was like eighty percent Capitals fans. I was like, "What the heck is going on here?" Golden Knights fans, go to the arena, fill it up with Vegas fans. Don't let the opposing team invade you like the last time the Stanley Cup Finals happened out here in Vegas. And the incredible thing out of all of this is. The franchise owner, Bill Foley, when the team was created, he said playoffs in three, cup in six. Well, the team has made it to the playoffs in five out of their six seasons, and this is going to be their second trip to the Stanley Cup finals in those six years. And if they win, those uh, remarks he did will become a prophecy. Let's see if it ends up happening a, a parade on the strip. That would be wild, and you know that those fans are going to take over the strip. Vegas Golden Knights fans, they go deep, and this city loves their team. Let's see. We want the Raiders to be up there, and to be up there with the Golden Knights, with the way that they have taken over the city, they need a win. And let's have one team in the Stanley Cup Finals here in Vegas and the other team the Super Bowl in Vegas this upcoming season. It's going to be here in Vegas. Let's see if the the Raiders can get to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2002. It's been a while. Grimaldi's is hands down my favorite pizza in Las Vegas, and I'm starving. I had breakfast today at 6 in the morning, so I'm very hungry. I'm going to go grab a whole pie out there. Only at Grimaldi's Pizzeria can you get the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza that you crave. Grimaldi's has four locations in the Vegas Valley, Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and in Green Valley. For more, visit Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Dot com.
The final seconds kick off in Dallas, and the biggest star of the night is Aiden Hill. A shutout. Golden Knights four, star zero. The first shutout in Aiden Hill's playoff career. Yes, and Aiden Hill hadn't played significant time in a playoffs game until game three of the second round against the Edmonton Oilers. So for him getting that shutout, it's huge. It's actually his first shutout as a player with the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'll be completely honest, I'll, I even say it on the air in the Spanish broadcast. I'm like, yo, I'm going to go get an Aiden Hill jersey because the guy has been playing bananas. He has been playing great. And if it's the thing right now. It's like the goaltenders... In the Stanley Cup playoffs, they make or break teams. And right now, he's been doing a great job. He's been keeping the team in a good spot. Anybody heard from Robin Leonard recently? That's the thing. He can't stay on the ice. You 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 talk a lot about Anthony Davis and his nickname for you. It's street clothes. Yeah, street clothes. Sooth. Suit. It's like he he never has a jersey on. Your best ability is your availability. And that guy isn't available right now. So it's the guy next man up. Laurent Brossois. Next man up after he got hurt in the second round. And I think it's like it's the Aiden Hill show right now in, in goal for the Vegas Golden Knights. And he's been able to get the job done. I know, but I think the question is more like how are the Golden Knights going to carry four goaltenders into next year? That's going to be the big question mark. It's like who's in, who's out? That's what we were talking with Ben Goats right now. It's like if the Golden Knights go all the way, it has to be Aiden Hill, right? He has to be the guy next year. Before we go to some baseball, because there's some cool stuff to talk about in baseball, I, I just wanted to say I was looking at a picture on social media of Michael Mayer in that NFL PA rookie premiere event that happened in Los Angeles this past weekend. And it's like he's a massive human being. He's huge. He next to the other players, he looked like Godzilla. It's like he looked incredibly big next to those guys. Same thing with Tyree Wilson. Another interesting stat, the Raiders, they were the team with the most players in that NFLPA rookie premier event. They had Tyree Wilson, their first rounder. They had Michael Mayer, their second rounder. Plus, they had Trey Tucker and Aiden O'Connell. Tucker, a third-round player, and Aiden O'Connell, a fourth-round quarterback. Well, you got to figure the Raiders had an awful lot of draft picks and a whole lot of them got to get you. I mean, it's not like we're playing in Indianapolis. So these guys, the Player Association, to make sure these guys are well prepared for what's coming. Exactly, yeah. And they had uh – they they took meetings with people in the league. They took meetings with people with sponsors that, and potentially just like, hey, be smart with what's going on. But it's the the positions they were in. They're big, defensive end, tight end, a guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be a first rounder, and the Raiders grabbed early in the second round. A wide receiver that flashes speed that can do big things like Trey Tucker and the the quarterback they grab in the fourth round. Quarterback is always the sexiest position in football. So I was looking at that and I was checking all the teams. I was like, yo, the Raiders they got four players. So good thing, good thing that the Raiders uh, have people represented out there in the NFLPA rookie premiere event back in the day i actually went out to in ucla they actually had the players interact with the fans and i got to meet andrew luck and more players that were there and i was like yo that's cool that they had those events now post covid it's just like yo go take your pictures with panini for your trading card and then go home i love when this kid says back in the day it's like was it in this century or the last one if what draft was andrew luck geez i don't know 2003 2004 no 2012 Shows so what ten, I know. Hey, it was a decade ago. <laughs> it was a decade ago. Dude, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. I don't remember if I even had breakfast today. 
Yeah, so I was there, and I got to meet Andrew Luck, and he was super cool with the fans. So that that's always a memory I have. And I think and I it's like, very cool whenever you say back, back in the day. Because back, back in, in the, the day, day for this kid's like, what, six years ago? Back in the day, you were in the office of the Boston Celtics head coach. That that sounds yeah, more that like was back 19, in the day. That was, yeah, that was 1994. That sounds more How like old were back you back the then? I was six years old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, now you got pro athletes that were born in the 2000s. That sounds even crazier, right? I, you know, I was just over here with this, um, our board op trainer over here, and we were looking at this, uh, one of my Facebook posts about the top 10 NBA athletes of all time, and he's looking at these guys going, yeah, that looks about right, and I'm like, you've never heard of Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson, Dr. J, but it's cool, it's, I, I'm an old bleep, I understand, it's okay. An experienced bleep. No, old bleep. Experience. You, you say old, I say experience. Baseball! Let's talk a little bit about baseball, because the A... The American League East is crazy. You look at the standings and it's like, what the hell is going on out there? And the Yankees, they they hosted a, an American League East foe. Swing and a fly ball, center field. This should do it. Mullins racing back. He's going to be under it. He makes the catch. IKF is going to score. No throw from Mullins. Ball game. Yankees win in 10. And a sacrifice fly from Anthony Volpe in the 10th. Wins it for the Yankees. A sack fly ain't sexy, but it's effective. And the Yankees won six to five against the Orioles. And I just wanted to look at that at those standings standings because they are ridiculous. It's like every team out there with a winning record in the AL East. How the heck does that happen? Even your Red Sox at 26 and 23 have a winning record right now, but you got the Rays' best rec- record in Major League Baseball. The Orioles that are surprising everybody, 31 and 17. Jeez, the Yankees see, yeah. right behind them, 30 and 20. Sorry? No, I said, just see the Orioles? Jeez, look at yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Everybody said it's either going to be the Yankees, Blue Jays, or Rays. Everybody in that division and, has a winning record. And the thing that I think is even more surprising, Toronto in last place? I mean, it's a last place where with 26 and 23, they would be the leaders in the AL Central. Yeah, I know. But still, they've got some decent players. Vladdy Guerrero, they, um, Bichette, they've got some really decent players over there and some decent pitching too. I'm kind of surprised they started off so slow. I always say it's like you're never going to win the World Series in March, April, or May, but you get yourself out of contention with a terrible start. Shout out to the Oakland A's. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> beat you to it. Have they won 10 games yet? Right. Well, let's no, check. That's why I'm asking. That's you got question. the thing they, up front, yeah? They have 10 wins and 40 losses, a 20% winning percentage. The Oakland wow. A's with the worst record in Major League Baseball. Yeah, bring, but Bring that bleep over here. That's going to work out well. Nah, you know what? They're going to invest when they're in Vegas. They uh, have to invest. No, they're if not. not, they're going to get the no, boot they're out not. of town. No, they're not. They, they, the owner of this team is just one of the worst team, our owners in all of sports. It's not, they're not going to do anything. I think they will. This guy's just going to cash checks and... No, he's going to get the public it. money and bounce. Oh Be yeah, like, I'm good. Absolutely. Well, not even that. He's he's more concerned with the um, television money. That's yeah. way more money. That's like two, three, four billion, man. He's much more concerned with that. Once he cashes that in, he could give a bleep about the team. Hey, how about this? If the playoffs ended right now, Tampa. Baltimore Yankees, three teams from the AL East would be in the postseason with the way that the playoffs are set right now with six teams in them. And you know what? My beloved Red Sox are over 500. That's more than I could have possibly expected. Hey, they're two games away from a playoff spot, but we go back to the same thing. It's May, May 24th, but they're hanging in there. If they can get by the Angels.
right? And the Angels right now, it's funny. I was at a. At the, see how I did that, huh? Yeah, oh. absolutely. I was at the establishment where that I mentioned the, the the Buffalo Wild Wings, and the bartender. I had a Dodgers jersey on. He's like, "Yo, no, go Angels." I'm like, "Bro." Hey, what are they doing? He's like, we're in third place in our division. I'm like, you're celebrating that? Well, yeah, I would. Yeah, and they're celebrating right now. Mike Trout, he hits, keeps hitting bombs. High fly, right field, hit pretty well. Back forward is Verdugo. He's looking up. Mike Trout has delivered a two-run homer. It goes to the opposite field, and that might be just the swing Trout needed to get back to where he belongs. Yeah, they got the win yesterday. They're 27-23, and 23, and yes, like the bartender there told me, they are in third place in the AL West, which would be the a game and a half behind the last postseason spot in the American League. But we go back to the same thing. Just hang in there. Don't let yourself get too low. And the Angels, they're in a decent spot, 27-23. and 23, But I always joke around. It's like Mike Trout hits seven home runs. Shohei Otani almost throws a no-hitter, but then the rest of the team doesn't do anything, and they lose games. So I've seen that a hundred times with that team. It's awful. I keep hearing a rumor that uh, Otani is going to go for a free agency next year. They're talking about the uh, Red Sox and a couple other teams. Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers. One of them is going to pay him $500 million. Oh, yeah. You got a butcher and a batter at the same time? He'll play. The Mariners, of course, they would beat the Oakland A's. Let's hear this. 1-2 again to tie. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field. Going and going and goodbye. Baseball off the out-of-town scoreboard. High above the Mariners' bullpen. Back-to-back home runs. 3-2, to two, the Mariners beat the Athletics. But, hey, Oakland has 10 wins this season at least. They're, they're in double digits. It took them two months to get there. You want to see? You want to spend three hours of pure torture. You sit yourself down and watch an A's game, right? And it's not even for the baseball. It's just for the announcers that are sitting there trying to put lipstick on a pigs with these bleeping games. It's amazing. That's what I would be like. You can you you can only make this sound so positive. You know what I mean? That's a difficult job for those fellas. So props to them. They try. Well, well worth watching one game just to watch those two. I don't even know what their names are, but geez, they 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 earn their money. Exactly. Go get you some. Well, that's it for today's JT The Brick Show here from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Remember, Raider Nation, tomorrow the Raiders have OTA day number three here in Las Vegas, and it's going to be open to the media. So we'll have special coverage. JT will be in the building at Raiders headquarters at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So... Listen to the show. Same thing with the necessary roughness. Q Myers will be present right there at Raiders headquarters. He's always everywhere, man. I mean, you listen to him on every radio station, nationally, locally. He's right outside our, our studio right now being like, Harry, I'm about to kick you out. Listen to Unnecessary Roughness. He has an amazing show. And Raider Nation Radio tomorrow, we'll hear from Josh McDaniels. We'll hear from select players. And we'll hear from them here on Raider Nation Radio. I'm Harry Ruiz. It's been an honor to be here today in the JT The Brick Show. Have a fantastic week. We'll be back soon.